Brother Scotty, thank you so much. You do a great job leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship. Thank you, worship team. All of you are a blessing to me, a blessing to us. We're so thankful that God is using you like he is. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn them with me to John chapter number 16. And we're going to be looking at primarily one verse today, John chapter 16 and verse number 33. Now here in John 16, Jesus is speaking unto his disciples. Now when you hear the word disciples, you're probably like I am. You begin thinking about those original disciples like James and John and Peter and Philip and Andrew and Matthew. Um, and if you are thinking of those original disciples, you would be right in doing so because that's certainly who the Lord is speaking to here in John chapter number 16. But how many of you understand all in the world a disciple is, is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's it. One who follows Jesus, a Christ follower. That's what a disciple is then or was then. And that's what it is today. You see this morning, if you've been blood-bought, if you've been born again, if you're a member of the body of Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, then today you are a disciple. Now, when you begin looking at the Word of God with that mindset, it begins to make a whole lot more sense to you. Amen? <laughs> See, then it becomes more than just an ancient writing written to people 2,000 years ago. Then it becomes not what has been said, but what is being said. Then it's not just a Peter and James and John and all those original disciples. Then you begin to realize that this truth Jesus is speaking about, these promises that Jesus is giving, is not just for them then, but it's for us today. It's a living word. It's a word that not only... Uh, impacted them when it was first spoken, but it impacts us as we apply it to our lives. And so this morning, that's how I want you to see this. This message is not just for those original disciples, but for the Christ followers right here in this building this morning or listening to us online, whatever the case may be. We are disciples of Jesus if we've been born again into his family. We follow him. He is our leader. We have submitted to his lordship, just like those early disciples did. Now, right here in John 16, 33, Jesus gives disciples then and now some advice on triumphing in trying times. That's the subject I'm going to be preaching on this morning, triumphing in trying times and and folks listen to me if we've ever been in trying times it's right now so listen what jesus said in john 16 and verse number 33 he says these things i have spoken unto you that in me everybody say in me jesus said in me you might have peace he says i've given all these things to you so that you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If you believe it, say amen. 
Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you've done. Lord, I'm so thankful today that we have true, lasting peace in you. Peace that passeth all understanding. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that you've put it in my heart. I'm thankful, God, that I can trust you. I can live for you. And Lord, you can live through me. I'm asking, Lord, today that you do just that. That you speak to me, Lord, and you speak through me, your words to your people. We're asking today, Lord, that you move me behind the cross and you use me for your honor and your glory. We're praying, God, today that you show us how to triumph in trying times, how to overcome as you have overcame. Lord, we're asking that you use your word, this living word, to speak to disciples today on how to overcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope is a very powerful thing. <laughs> now, let me give you my definition of hope. Hope is the earnest expectation that God is going to do what he says he will do. So hope for the child of God is certainly a powerful thing because our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in His promise. And that's so powerful because, li li listen to me what John, Numbers 23 and verse number 19 tells us. One of my absolute favorite verses in all the Word of God. God says there, the, the Word of God tells us that God is not like a man that He should lie. Now, how many of you understand this morning that as a Christ follower, as a disciple, as a believer in Jesus who's been born again into His family, I want to let my yes be yes and let my no be no. Don't you? The book of Proverbs tells us that's how we ought to be. See, if I've made a commitment to God, I want to keep that commitment. I want to be faithful to Him. And how many of you understand, all of us who are disciples, who are Christ followers, we've made a commitment to the Lord. And so he expects us and we should want to be faithful to our commitment to him. So if I've made a commitment to God, I want to let my yes be yes and my no be no. If I've made a commitment to my church, listen, I've, I've said I'm going to do this. I, then folks, I want you to know, I want to let my yes be yes and let my no be no. I want to be faithful to get that commitment. If I've made a commitment to uh, an individual and I've told them I'm going to do something, then I want to let my yes be yes and let my no be no. I want to do in, uh, what I've said I'm going to do with everything in my power. But now the truth is, as men, women, boys, and girls, two things work against us in letting our yes be yes and our no be no. First thing that works against us is that we are imperfect people. Yeah, I mean, y'all understand that. How I many of y'all know there are no perfect people? Now, I've met a few people who thought they were perfect, and they'll bless your heart, but the truth of the Word of God tells us that we've all sinned. We're all imperfect people standing in need of a Savior. We all need God's grace, and we all need God's mercy daily. And because we are imperfect people, sometimes we don't do what we say we're going to do. Sometimes we're not faithful to what we've promised. So that's the first thing that works against us, is that we are imperfect people. Let me give you number two. The second thing that works against us in letting our yes be yes and our no be no is that we live in an imperfect place. How many of you understand this morning, we live in a world marred by sin. 
So sometimes we don't do what we say we're going to do, and sometimes situations and circumstances arise in this imperfect world that won't allow us to do what we say we're going to do. We can't do it. Sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we can't do it. But the point is, we all, as men, women, boys, and girls, we're not always going to do what we're promised we're going to do. Does that make sense to you? That, that's why I keep telling you, don't put your faith in man. Don't put your trust in man. Because men will fail you. Listen, I want to be the best pastor I can be to you. I want to be faithful in loving you and preaching to you the truth of the word of God. I want to let my yes be yes and my no be no more than anything. I want to be committed to what God's called me to in loving him and, and loving people. I want to do all of that. I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. But the truth is, I, folks, I'll fail you. And so you can't put your faith in your pastor. Don't put your faith in your mama or your daddy. Don't put your faith in your Sunday school teacher. Don't put your faith in no one except the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't. We must put our faith, we must put our trust in Him. Because the Bible says He's not like a man that He should lie. See, what God says He's going to do. He's going to be faithful every time to keep his promise. If you believe it this morning, say amen. Has God ever kept a promise to you if it's true? Say amen. Yeah, God keeps his promises to me. And folks, I'm telling you, I've failed God many times, but I can testify this morning to the fact that he's never failed me. He's always done exactly what? He said he would do. So Numbers 23, 19 makes the promise that God is not like a man that he should lie. What he says, he will do. Thank you, Jesus. And so I have this hope. I have this earnest expectation that God's going to do what he says he'll do according to his precious truth, to his absolute truth found in his word the Bible my hope is in him Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27 you remember the story he said anyone who hears my sayings and then does them will be likened unto a man who builds his house upon the rock and when the floods fell and the winds blew against that house, it stood because it had a firm foundation. It had the right foundation. Now what Jesus is telling us is that we can and we should build our lives upon His promise. We can and we should build our lives upon the truth of His Word. Why? Because He is going to do what He says He'll do. I love it. So thankful for it. I've seen that to be true in my own personal life. Folks, I'm not just telling you this just because it's written on the page, even though that is uh, very powerful, even though that's absolute truth. I'm telling you this from my own experience. I've seen God do it in my life. I've seen God keep His promise that I've seen in His Word. 
See, folks, the truth is, in your walk with Jesus, as you're following the Lord, there's going to be some mountaintop experiences. I'm talking about when everything is hunky-dory and hallelujah, and you're experiencing the presence and power of God in your life. Man, it just feels like He's right there beside you every step of the way, and He's blessing you here, and He's blessing you there, and all this good stuff is, is coming unto you, and you know God is doing it, and that's a very powerful thing. That's an amazing thing. Praise God for those mountaintop experiences. Experiences. And I know God's with me then. How about you? I feel His presence. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. And I understand He's with me every step of the way. But now let me tell you something. There's also going to be times in your life when you go through the valley, those low times. Where it feels as though life snuck up behind you, jerked the rug out from under your feet, and you fell flat on your face, and you wonder, God, why is this happening to me? You're going to go through those times too. But let me tell you what I figured out in my walk with the Lord. I've, I've learned to trust in what Hebrews 13, 5, and that's a great promise. I want you to write that down. Go back and look at it for yourself. Hebrews 13, 5 gives us a promise, and it says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. How many of you believe this morning? He is the God on the mountain, and He's with us on the mountaintop. But listen, folks, He's also God of the valley, and He goes with us through those low places. He goes with us through those times when we wonder if anybody loves us. He goes with us through those times when nothing's going right. He goes with us through those times when you wonder what in the world is going on. And I kind of feel like some of us, all of us to some degree, have experienced some low times in this last year in 2020. We went through the valley, and folks, I can testify to the fact that in the lowest times of my life, not just in this past year, but since I've trusted in Jesus as my Savior, since I've been following Him, every low place I go through, He walks with me. So I have hope. I have the earnest expectation that He's going to do what He said, not just because of His promise, but because of his practice. He's with me. Day by day. Good times and bad times. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. You ever had those times in your life when your money gets funny and your change gets strange? Anybody? We've all probably all been there from time to time. I'm talking about those times in your life when you've got more month than you do money. I'm talking about those times in your life when the ends don't meet, they just wave at each other as they pass. And you wonder what's going to go on, how's this going to work out. I am confident this morning and I can testify to the fact that Philippians 4.19 is true when the Bible says, He shall, not He might, nor He maybe, but He shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. I know it to be true because He's done it in my life. I've seen him keep his promise. I know I can trust him. And Jesus says, if you'll hear my word and heed my word, if you'll hear what I say and apply it to your life, you'll be like the man who builds his house upon the rock. Because folks, there's going to be some stormy times that you're going to face. There's going to be times when winds, the winds blow and the rains fall. 
And you've got to have hope in Jesus. You've got to have hope in Him. And that's what He's trying to teach His disciples right here in John 16, 33. When He gives them this promise. And that's what I believe He wants to teach me and you as disciples this morning. Hope is truly a very, very powerful thing. And Jesus tells us a lot about it right here in this one verse. There's four things that I want you to see here in John chapter 16, 33. First of all, you need to see the prelude that is mentioned. He says, these things I have spoken unto you. Now, what are the these things? What is that? What does that mean? Well, right here in John 16, Jesus is in the middle of what's called the upper room discourse. The upper room discourse uh, starts at the end of John chapter 13, and it goes all the way through John chapter 17, ending with Jesus' high priestly prayer for the church. You need to read all of that. As a matter of fact, let me encourage you to do something this week. This week, I want you to read John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, and John 17. That's going to get to the whole of the, the upper room discourse. It's the last conversation that Jesus has uh, before he goes to the cross. Now, everything the Lord says is powerful and important, but I believe he saved the best for last. I believe right before he went to the cross, he sat down with his disciples there in the upper room, and later, as they go through the Mount of Olives on his way to Gethsemane, before he's arrested, he sits down with them and teaches them some very, very powerful things. Not only is he teaching to those disciples, but again, remember, he's teaching that unto us. So I want you to get a hold of it. Read it this week. That'll be a great quiet time for you. That'll give you five days. So before now and next Sunday, let me give you that homework. Five days, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And then next Saturday, I want you to read uh, the book of 1 John. Go and read all of that this week. You can read the whole book of 1 John in less than 15 minutes. And I'll promise you, God will bless your soul. Let me give you just a little bit of a snippet and whet your appetite of what's going to be given in this upper room discourse. First of all, Jesus gives in this prelude to the promise right here in John 16, 33. When he's talking about these things, he's talking about all that he said in this one long conversation. He talks to them about, first of all, in the... 13th chapter of John, he gives them a new commandment. Do you remember? He said in John 13, 34, this is a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then he says in John 13, 35, something that absolutely amazes me. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How are all men going to know that we are disciples, Christ followers? How are all men going to know that he is our Lord? He says they're going to know it by how you love one another. Let me tell you what my prayer is for Mount Zion Baptist Church in 2021. That the love of Jesus would be so real in this place among believers that it impacts the world when we walk outside these four walls. I'm talking about, I want you to love people so fervently. I want you to love people like Jesus loves us in such a way that when you go to, their, go to your workplace, they're going to see a difference. When you go to your home and you start loving your family members as Christ loves you, listen, it's going to impact their life for the kingdom of God. When you go to the grocery store or to your school and you start loving people as Jesus loves us, then folks, it makes all the difference. That's my prayer. And the Bible says by that, everybody's going to know that there's something different about you, that you're my disciple, you're my follower. Folks, how many know the world's looking for someone to love them? 
Do you know it? They're not looking for churchianity, a set of rules and regulations dominated by religion. They're looking for Christianity where you love people as Christ loves you. Listen to me now. Because of the relationship you have with him. Amen? That's what makes all the difference. See, we ought to be the people of love. If you believe it, say amen. This ought to be the place of love. If you believe it, say amen. This is the book of love. And we're about the work of love. Loving others as Christ has loved us. He gives them a new commandment in John chapter 13. Then he tells us about a new home in John chapter 14. Oh, that's good. John 14, 3 says, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, I'll return again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. What a promise. What a blessing. How many of you know this world is not my home? I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Anybody else? Is it hard for you to feel at home in the world that we live in? I hope so. Folks, we're just passing through this place. The Lord has prepared for us, is preparing for us. A home, a new home. And what a blessed hope that truly is. He talks about a new commandment, then he gives us a new home, but he tells us how to get there. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. New commandment, new home. Then he talks to us about a new life. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, he's talking about bearing fruit. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Vance Pittman is probably my favorite preacher living today. Vance Pittman says something about fruit that always stuck with me. Let me tell you what he said. He said, fruit is nothing more than the life of the vine being pressed out through the branch. Well, if Jesus is the vine and we are the branch... The fruit that we bear is the life of Christ being pressed out through us. Amen? He's talking to us about a new life that shows up in our everyday walk. Then you'll find in John chapter 14 the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send one back just like myself that's going to be your parakletos. The one who comes alongside to help you. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to indwell you. <laughs> what a blessing. Check it out for yourself. That's the prelude that's mentioned. These things that Jesus is speaking about in John 16, 33. But then he talks about not only the prelude that is mentioned here. I want you to get that. But he also gives us um, a, a, a promise that Jesus makes. Listen to what it says. These things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. Now what's he talking about? Listen, he's talking about a change in position. This position needs to be claimed by every child of God. How many of you understand that when you trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, your position changed according to the truth of the Word of God? 
See, the Bible teaches that you went from being in the darkness to being in the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus, 1 Peter 2 and 9. You went from being in the dark to being put in the light. How many of you know if you go from the dark into the light, it changes how you see things? It changes how you view the world? It changes how you believe? <laughs> I, l- l- let me tell you what I, I love about C.S. Lewis. My, my favorite quote from C.S. Lewis, and I've got a lot of favorites but, but this is probably my most favorite. It, it, it sums it up uh, perfectly about the position we have in Jesus. He said, I, I believe in Christianity just like I believe the sun has risen. Not just because I can see it, but because by it, I can see everything else. <laughs> see, when we go from being in the dark to being put in the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes how we see things. Amen. But the Bible also teaches that we've been brought from spiritual deadness to new life in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, But you, when he's speaking to believers, hath he quickened or made alive who was once dead in trespasses and sins. Now let me ask you something, folks. What do dead people do? I'm telling you, I've been to a lot of funerals. You know what I've always noticed? Dead people do nothing. They do nothing. They're dead. And so what does it mean that we've went from spiritual deadness to new life? Well, if coming from spiritual from darkness to light means that it changes how we see, then coming from deadness to life means it changes how we live. Changes what we do. Amen. Now, because of my new life in Christ, I can be what He's created me to be. He's given me freedom to truly please the Lord. But before that, all I had was was, uh, all that sin could give me, and all that sin could give me was bondage. I had no freedom in my sin. All I could be was a sinner. All I could do was what sinners do. But when Christ saved me, now I've been given life and I've been given freedom to actually be what God's created me to be. And you have too. We went from darkness to light, from deadness to life. It's changing how we see and how we live. And listen, folks, we went from being outside of Jesus to being in Jesus. Y'all remember the, the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21, don't you? The Bible says, therefore, if any man be, somebody finish that. In Christ, he's a what? A new creation. And old things are passed away and all things become what? New. So we went from being outside of Jesus to being in Jesus. Ephesians 1 and 3 says we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. But let me give you this one. Go with me and turn over to Ephesians chapter number 2. And look down, if you will, please, at verse number 6. The Bible says, And hath raised us up, God hath raised us up as believers, those who have blood-bought, those who've been born again. He says he's raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are y'all seeing that? 
Do you realize your salvation as one who has trusted in Christ and been forgiven of their sin? Do you realize your salvation is so complete that God already sees you in heavenly places? He already sees you as being seated with Christ. And now because of the person of Jesus dwelling in you and the person of the Holy Spirit, you can live heavenly in an earthly world. It's amazing. That brings about this newness that we're talking about. That makes you that new creation. So if from darkness to light means it changes how we see the world and we come from deadness to life and that changes how we live in the world, then from being outside Jesus to being put in Jesus, you become a new creation destined for a new kingdom. Wow. Do you see how our position has changed? You need to see the prelude that's mentioned. You need to see this position that we as believers need to claim. But now thirdly, you've got to see the problem with the world. The Bible says in the world, you shall have tribulation. Now I know there's a lot of people out there today that says that if you're a child of God and you believe the Lord enough that you're never going to get sick, you're never going to have money problems, you're never going to have um, relationship problems, you're never going to have any kind of problems whatsoever. You're always going to have all the money you can ever spend, live in the biggest house you can live in, you're always going to drive the nicest cars, you're never going to get sick and everybody's going to be hunky-dory and hallelujah forever. That's, that's what people are preaching today, I hear a lot of that. The only problem with it is not true. Because the, Jesus said himself, it's not that you might have trouble. He said, in this world you shall have trouble. It's not if it's coming, but when it's coming. And it comes to us all in many different forms and fashions. Amen? I, that's what I love about the Lord. Jesus never sugarcoats anything. He tells you up front what you're getting into. Look, look throughout the Gospels. Look throughout the Scriptures. You'll say, see Jesus. People want to come follow him. And he said, you better count the cost because um, even foxes have holes to get in, but the Son of Man don't even have a place to lay his head. People come to him like the, the rich young ruler, and it's almost like Jesus talks him out of following him. It's amazing. He, he, he comes right up front with people. And he says, look, it's not going to be a bed of roses. You're going to have trouble. But now this is the truth. Everybody has trouble. Whether you are a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower. Why? Because we're imperfect people living in an imperfect world. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, for us, We've got someone to go through the problem with us. We've got the Prince of Peace who gives us peace that passeth all understanding even when we shouldn't have peace. We've got King Jesus who gives us joy when we shouldn't have joy. We've got God Himself living on the inside making a difference on the outside. Amen? So what he's saying is, in this world, you shall, it's going to happen. 
like I said before, there are going to be times when you go through those valleys, those low times. There are going to be times when you struggle financially, when you struggle physically. There are going to be times when you get sick. That sickness may even lead to death. But let me tell you this, listen. For the believer, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus has power to heal sickness. Y'all believe Jesus is still in the healing business? Me too. Guess what though? Sometimes he chooses not to heal. Here. Here. But this is the good news for the cross follower. My Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. So if I get sick or you get sick as a Christ follower and we struggle with sickness, you go through that time of tribulation, you go through that storm in your life, guess what? Jesus can heal you. Many times he does. However, he may not heal you here. He may bring you to heaven where you'll be free of pain, free of sickness, and you'll be completely healed for all eternity. Because for the believer, our last breath on earth is followed by our first breath in heaven. So we're just going to do what Paul said to do, right? Paul said, if I live, it's Christ. If I live and I'm sick, I'm just going to keep praising Jesus and serving Jesus and loving Jesus and loving people. And I'm going to keep doing that as long as I can. But if I die, it's gain to me. Brothers and sisters, it's gain to you too. No matter what you face, in the way of tribulation, Jesus faces it with you. Do you see the hope in that? See the power in that? You need to see this problem with the world because it's been said for most of my adult life, what we need is more technology. Do you think that's really helped us or maybe hurt us in a lot of ways? And they say, well, because we need more technology, we need more education. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with education. I think you ought to get all the education you get. I think it can help you. But knowledge without wisdom means nothing. And you only get wisdom. You only get wisdom. And wisdom is the ability to please God in everything you do. You only get wisdom through a right relationship with the Lord. So if you've got a whole lot of knowledge and not any wisdom, then you're really no better off. That's why we're the most educated we've ever been and we're the biggest mess we've ever been in. Are you getting me? They say, man, what will make this world better is technology. What will make it? When we gotta, if we're going to get more technology, we've got to have more education. And, and, and it goes, uh, we've got to keep doing all of this other stuff. And the truth is, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. Look around you. We become a bunch of educated fools. That's really missing out. On what life really is. Sad, isn't it? 
That's the world we live in. That's the problem with this world. It's marred by sin. I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a day when what's wrong in this world will be set right. There's coming a day when righteousness will rule again. There's coming a day when King Jesus will set foot upon this earth and he will rule and reign. Praise God. The Prince of Peace will finally bring peace completely. I'm going to tell you this, it's not going to happen until he comes. It's not going to happen through a political party or a president or a prince or a governor. It's not going to happen in all of that. It's going to happen when Jesus comes. I'm not saying we shouldn't make things better. We should make things better. But always realize this world is falling away. Always realize I'm more concerned with carrying as many people with me to the next world than I am about just simply patching up this old fallen world. Are you getting me? The problem with this world is that it's lost. It's fallen. But then see, not only the prelude that is mentioned and the position that must be claimed and the problem with this world, but Jesus then gives us a promise that makes all the difference in our lives. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You say, brother, how is that a promise? Well, if Jesus has overcome this world and I am in Jesus, what does that mean ultimately? Well, I've overcome this world too. And no matter what this world throws at us, we don't have to fear. No matter what this world throws at us, we don't have to crawl under a rock somewhere and hide. Or no matter what this world throws at us, we've not been given the spirit of fear, but we've been given the spirit of a sound mind and love, power. Amen? Why? Because I'm in Him. My hope is in Him. And I have the earnest expectation that He's going to do what He says He's going to do. Why? Because He hasn't failed me yet. He's batting a thousand, brothers and sisters. Again, I fail him many times. I fail him daily. But he's never failed me. I'm going to tell you this. He won't fail you. Put your hope in Jesus. In this world, you shall have tribulation. I don't know what's going to happen in this next year. None of us expected what's going to happen and what has happened in 2020. I never thought things could change as much as it has changed in Eight months, nine months. I, I mean, it just blows me away. I can't even fathom how far we've come in nine months. N not, not just politically, but socially. Not, not just socially, but uh, practically. I mean, everything is moving at warp speed. On a slippery slope. Put your hope in Jesus. In Christ, you can triumph in trying times. Outside of Jesus, there is no real hope. I'm going to tell you something. If I didn't know the Lord, whew, in the day in which we live, 
Folks, I don't know how people sleep at night. I really don't. Me and some pastor friends were talking years ago. Three of us sitting at a table. And I just made this statement. I just said, man, I just don't know how people who don't know the Lord make it. I mean, there, there's no peace that the world can give like Jesus gives. And one of the pastors that were sitting there, he said, brother, how do you know they are? A lot of times what happens is we put up this false front for everybody else to see when on the inside you know you're broken and you know you're undone. And you don't really have that peace that passeth all understanding that can only be given by the Prince of Peace. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Today you can have it. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the amazing truth. This life that I've been talking about, this relationship that I've been talking about that brings newness, that gets you out of the darkness into the light, that gets you out of spiritual deadness into life, that gets you out of Jesus and into Jesus. This new relationship can be yours if you trust in the Lord. Put your hope in Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. I'm going to tell you, the cares of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sir Buzzer, how do you know? I know it because it's been made real to me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, he can do it for you. Put your hope in him. He said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Cheer up. <laughs> Child of God, put a smile on your face. I had a kindergarten teacher used to tell me, she'd say, turn that frown upside down. That's really what Jesus is telling these disciples and us. Cheer up! He's overcome the world. Cheer up. Look up. Our redemption draws nigh. Dr. Adrian Rogers said years ago, he said, the child of God don't have to fear when it gets dark. We can actually say it's getting gloriously dark. Because it has to get dark before the sun comes. <laughs> Put your hope in Jesus. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. And one stand this morning. If you need the Lord in any way, I would love to pray with you today. It's always my great privilege as your pastor to pray with you, to pray for you. So if you, if you need me to pray with you, I'd love to. If you've got any needs that are... Uh, in your life that you want to bring to the altar, hey, this altar is a great place for you to get along with the Lord. I still believe in a good old-fashioned altar experience. So if you need Him, you come. If you're here today and you're lost and you know that you've never yet trusted in Christ, you're not sure whether or not you've truly been born again, well, let's get sure today. Let's get sure today. Listen, I can't save you. Walking this aisle don't save you. Being in this church, it sure don't save you. But I can introduce you to the one who has saved me through the truth of Scripture. I want to do that today. If you need Him, you come. What a blessed hope those who are in Christ have. And it's available to everybody. If you need the Lord in any way, you come today.